It's time for Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. Brought to you by The Power Lodge, SCR Northern, Thielen Meats, Tracker Boating Center, Vimert Outdoors Archery Pro Shop, S&W Bait and Tackle, Oars and Mine Marine in Crosby, Northern Sales and Manufacturing, Your Ice Castle Dealer in Pine River, Crow Wing Recycling, Bermel Shoe Store in Randall, and by Radco, Your Truck Accessory Pros. Now, here's your host for Brainerd Outdoors. Brian Moon. And welcome into this week's show. And being we're winding down 2019, I thought now would be a good time to revisit some great conversations that we had throughout this past year. We'll talk some ice trolling with Tony Roach, break down Gull Lake with Ray Gildow, head out to Devil's Lake and talk some spoon fishing with Jason Mitchell. Plus, we do have some local reports from this week on our area lakes with Nate Blazing. All that and more on this week's edition of Brainerd Outdoors. And we'll kick the show off with our local report. We bring in uh, Nate Blazing, Nate, with S&W Guide Service. And uh, believe it or not, Nate's actually out doing a little fishing as we uh, record this on Friday morning. <laughs> and so I don't know what the weekend is going to bring, but uh, Nate, at least you're able to take in a little more sunshine before things turn here real quick. Yeah, exactly. Um, looking at that forecast, I got a little worried, too. was hoping to do some fishing this weekend, but... Got out yesterday and then figuring today might be the uh, last day for a little while and hunker down and see if they're right on that forecast or not. So, But today is absolutely beautiful. Like you said, the sun just started coming out here, very mild temperatures, so perfect fishing day. Well, if by chance we maybe dodge a bullet over the weekend um, and people, you know, who knows if they're able to get out after this or how long it'll take before. But one of the things you and I were talking about off air was the fact that the timing of this uh, storm really couldn't be worse because you said that some of these lakes, especially the bigger ones, were starting to come around. Yeah. Uh, again, on the Lax right now as we speak, and we actually took our time, got out to the mud flats. Again, I'll say, just like we said last week, ice conditions vary so much. Um, I've got a friend that lives on the North Shore, and we go out of his place early ice, and he had spots that was still two to three inches. We're out here, I don't know, mile, mile and a half, and where there's no snow, we're sitting on 13 inches of ice. You go 20 feet, and you find a snowbank, and you're down to 5 to 7 inches. So um, gull has kind of been the same. I've been out there quite a bit the last week, uh, anywhere from 5 to 10, 11 inches. Uh, I was on Pelican last night. Pelican on the south end was pretty good. Again, that froze over after the snow. We had a right around nine inches of uh, good ice out there, but the ice is a little wet, and the slush pockets seem to kind of firm up since the last time we talked on these big lakes. So uh, that's made it a little easier to get around the small lakes. Uh, not a whole lot of improvement in terms of the sloppy slush kind of stuff. So Landing's in pretty uh, tough shape, too, or are they holding up? The landings actually aren't too bad, at least on the lakes I've been on. Um, talking to uh, some of the folks up at the bait shop, they've started to get to some of the smaller lakes for panfish up around Nisswa. And they said once you get out onto the lake is where they're hitting those slush pockets. But for the most part, the accesses have actually been, I think, pretty good just because there's been pretty limited traffic that's been beating them up up to this point. So have the fish been cooperating for you? They have. I can't complain, actually. Um, again, around the Brainerd area, um, your peak times, again, like I said last week, early in the morning and right at, as the sun's going down. You know, I've been getting out on gull a couple different times. I think we tried three different spots in three different days, and it was all pretty much the same thing. You get out there earlier, and you kind of twiddle your thumbs. You might get a pike here or there or a small walleye, and then you wait for that 
15 minute to half an hour window right as the sun's going down and that seems to be when all the the magic happens um out here in Malax, we decided to come out here and we got started fishing about nine o'clock and you know i think we've got 10 fish up to this point it's slowed down here in the last half an hour 45 minutes but uh, you know i'll take that any day when you're catching fish during the middle of the day so that's the beauty of Malax. And you had said too, uh, the year classes of the walleyes that you're catching right now, uh, you're, that's got you pretty optimistic. It does. Um, both gall and pelican uh, pleasantly surprised. You know, getting some really nice eater fish. Uh, gall, I think your your average fish is right around that 18 to 21 inches, but then there's a pretty strong year class of those 13, 14 inches. Um, pelican last night again, right as the sun was going down. Um, got quite a few in that 11 to 13 inch range which those are a couple year old fish that have been stocked so it's really really good to see that for the area lakes there'd been a a void of those for a couple years um just when they stock and they didn't take and now it's showing me that those fish are starting to take so the future is looking pretty good for some of the area lakes and how is the forage situation right now it's really well it can make for tougher fishing but every lake i've been to especially during the day whether you're in 13 feet of water or out to 30 feet it is absolutely full of little tiny perch um so again that that fares well for the fish because they're able to eat and you know stay pretty chunky and healthy fishing it might make it a little tougher and i think again that's why in those brainerd lakes your your bite window is so small because they can eat whenever and whatever they want so um the other thing I should mention about gull, too, is not only are we getting some nice walleyes, I probably had more bigger perch than I have walleyes out there, which has been a pleasant surprise. Um, several in that 11 and a half and as big as 13, I got one the other day. So haven't seen that class of perch out there for quite a while, so it's kind of fun. Yeah, because that is one of the one – that's one of my favorites to go after. I love perch fishing, and, and uh, yeah, gull has been uh, kind of touch and go here the last few years, so it's good to see that coming around. Uh, back out to Mille Lacs for a moment, uh, Nate. Uh, what are you hearing out there for fishing? Because it seems to vary, and that happens with a bigger body of water. It all depends upon where people are fishing at and where the fishable ice is. But what have you been hearing? It's been pretty good overall for the people that, that have been out. Um, as I'm looking out here today now, just from this morning, I'm starting to see, you know, from different parts of the lake, people venturing out further and further out to the mud flats here. Um, but overall, I think pretty much everyone I've talked to is getting some fish. Uh, your folks that are fishing, you know, shoreline breaks and that kind of stuff, as long as you're by yourself and quiet, I think you're going to have pretty good success. Um, Garrison Sport, we stopped there this morning. There was a lot of people. Um, that's where we fished last week, and I think that'll tend to drive some of those shallow fish, you know, a little deeper else away from the commotion. So um, my dad and I are out here on some virgin ice right now. we got the whole place to ourselves. First time it's been fish, and uh, it's just peaceful and serenity, and fishing's good. Tactic-wise, if somebody's looking for some advice, Nate, what would you give them? Yeah, so again, uh, today it's been buckshot spoons and kind of your, your – um, blade baits for uh, tingler spoons for your jig and then next to that either a tip up or a dead stick bobber uh, i like to use a pretty good size shiner on my dead stick and then just a minnow head on the um, jig back to the previous conversation we had about the forage at least here in Malax, with all the perch and stuff um, perch color stuff has been very very good i played around with purples and greens and reds today and by far it's been kind of a green and silver has been the the best by far and i think both dad and i all of our fish have came on jigs neither of us had a fish yet today on a dead stick which is kind of odd for out here 
So the other thing too, I should mention, um, at least on the Brainerd Lakes, trying to pattern these fish, it's been really tough. We had fish as shallow as 11 feet and all the way out to 30 feet on several different spots. So, you know, that's why it's one here or there, and it just can't really come up to a pattern. I think they're just kind of roaming, and if you happen to get in front of one that's aggressive, you, you'll get lucky enough to get it. But uh, haven't haven't ran into the mother load yet. Yeah, well, hopefully, like we said, we might be able to dodge a bullet with this uh, you know, impending snowstorm coming this weekend that uh, maybe we can get out there and do a little fishing. One last thing I wanted to ask you, Nate, you always keep a very close uh, touch there with Sherry at S&W Bait and some of the other bait shops around as well. Um, what is our live bait situation? Is it pretty decent right now? Because I know towards the end of uh, the open water season, things are getting kind of touch and go. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's it's great. Um she seems to have plenty of fat heads, crappie minnows, uh, that kind of stuff. The sucker minnows have been pretty hard to get. Um, golden shiners, which is, again, my preference for ice fishing for dead sticks, those have been pretty darn hard to come by. She's been getting a few in, but nothing like it has been in the past. So um, I've been keeping pretty close tabs on that. And when she gets the shipment in, she'll give me a call, and I'll run up there and grab a couple dozen. And So, um yeah, it's it hasn't been great, but at the, at the same time, especially for your panfish and that kind of stuff, she's got more than enough different types of bait to to get people by for for their purposes. Speaking of panfish, uh, you're hearing some good things on that front too. Yeah, actually, I am. Uh, again, those smaller lakes are a little floppy, but if you're willing to do the work to get out there, you can get some. Um, Logan at the bait shop, he's been doing a bunch of spearing and just kind of likes watching what comes through and. He said he's seen a lot of bluegills and some crappies roaming around with the pike and walleye. And the key, again, has been to find some green um, vegetation. Um, and kind of that 10 to 12-foot range for the most part. Uh, but if you find that green vegetation, you're going to find a little everything. And, again, the, the food chain there, you got your smaller fish and the predator fish come in. Um, he said he's been seeing good numbers of pike, and he actually saw one that was and pushing 18, 19, 20 pounds, a really big one. He didn't throw at it. He was just going through the small ones, which I love to hear being, you know, selective on your harvest. But uh, he said, pretty cool, seeing a little everything going through in that shallow, weedy stuff. That's good to hear. So that's the uh, latest from the Brainerd Lakes area here, Nate Blazing, S&W Guide Service. Nate, if people want more information on you or maybe book a guide trip, how can they do that? Sure. Uh, you can give me a call at 651-592-3857 or swing up to S&W Bait Shop. Their phone number is 218 218- Eight two nine seven zero one zero, and Sherry will take care of you. There you go. Nate Blazing. Nate, I appreciate it. Good luck out there, and uh, hopefully we'll keep our fingers crossed so we can keep uh, fishing here throughout the winter. Sounds good, Brian. We'll talk after a couple days and see see what Mother Nature does to us here. That will be interesting to see. We'll have more of Brainerd Outdoors after this on B93.3. Welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3, and we always like to uh, chat with a good friend here at Brainerd Outdoors, and that is Jason Mitchell with Jason Mitchell Outdoors. we got a lot of stuff we're going to talk to Jason about today. Uh, first off, Jason, welcome back. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's always a pleasure. Yeah, I wanted to first off talk to you. I know here the big thing the last couple of weeks and last couple of days even uh, is our ice here is not where we'd like it to be. All that snow we got and, and the lakes are not freezing properly. Uh, out your way, you're kind of based out there in that Devil's Lake area. Uh, what's it looking like out there? 
you know, last week, you know, I saw people driving out on the ice for the first time, you know, where we've got anywhere from 11 to 13 inches in a lot of places, but, uh, and more in some places, you know, like Lake Allison, Lake Urban, you know, those places froze up earlier. And so, I mean, there's almost 15 inches of ice out there. And there's not a lot of snow on the ice. I mean, you can drive around pretty good. But probably the biggest thing this year is that there's been some inconsistencies in the sense that you might have 13 inches in an area, and then a mile away, you might have uh, 7 inches. You know, And so you just can't assume that just because you drill one hole and you have 12 inches of ice, it's going to be 12 inches of ice all over the lake because there is some variation this year. The angler wanted to head out that way, though, Jason. The fishing's been pretty good. Uh, some days. I mean, it's like anything else. I mean, uh, we've had some good fishing at times, and then we've had some poor fishing at times. You know, it's a lot of water to cover, and, um, you know, our walleye bites have been setting up pretty decent. Our, you know, we've had some good perch bites here, early ice, but, uh, you know, it's, it's a deal where, you know, a lot of these bites only last for three days, maybe, where, you know, after that, uh, you know, you got to find them again, you know, and you're looking with an eight-inch auger to try to find fish, and so, you know, the fish are out there, but uh, I can't tell you that, you know, yeah, every day you're going to just go out there and catch all kinds of fish because it doesn't work that way, you know. One thing that always uh, fascinates me with Devil's Lake is the fact, and we've talked about this on the show a little bit, uh, being it's it's kind of an odd lake in which its contours change every year and, and a lot of its depth and structure as well. Uh, as things change, Jason, does that change up your tactics year to year? Well, it can change up the spots. I mean, there's some spots that, uh, you know, emerge because they weren't deep enough before, you know. Uh, a lot of shallow water stuff, especially, you know, high water, even through the ice, you know, I can't tell you how many walleyes we've caught in less than eight feet of water. But um, now, you know, last fall or last summer, the lake dropped a little bit, you know, where it was probably about three and a half feet lower than its high, maybe three feet lower than the, than the all-time high. And so... You know, that caused the lake to fish differently again. Now, we had a lot of snow in October, so the lake actually came up a little bit. But uh, the ground is so wet that this spring, if we have any if we have any uh, snow or precipitation this winter, I mean, the lake's going to come up a lot. And so, you know, it, it's always changing, absolutely. I mean, it, uh, it always changes. But the big thing is probably not so much the elevation. It's the big-term trend. If the water's going up, the fish seem to do a certain thing. If the water's going down, they seem to do a certain thing. One of the things I wanted to talk to you, Jason, about, and I I, I stumbled across this article here not too long ago that you wrote on your website, and that is uh, with jigging spoons. Are you letting them sit too long? Maybe you can talk a little bit about that and what anglers can do to uh, help their success out there. Well, what I meant by that is a lot of times, you know, people will, will jig, you know, they'll pop the lure upward, then they let it sit. You know, after um, after the lure falls, and then they wait a little bit, then they pop it back up. And, and granted, for calling fish in, especially with high lifts, you know, you can definitely do that. And there's no right or wrong with fishing in the sense that some days, you know, be surprised what works. But what I find is that a lot of times, especially as fish come in and they start to close the gap, and they start to, you know, get within three, four feet of your lure or closer, is that a lot of times if you let a lure settle and then let it pop, especially if it's a horizontal lure, like say a jigging wrap or a puppet minnow or a chubby dart or something along those lines, what happens is the lure turns, and then when you uh, when you snap it back up, it shoots off in a different direction. 
And a lot of times what I find is if it shoots off towards the fish, you know, and spoons can do this too to a certain extent, uh, that shoots off towards the fish and they get close, the lure disappears and the fish do not like that. And so what I find is that if you pop that lure back up before it stops at the bottom, where it's just always popping up and down, it's very predictable cadence where that lure never gets a chance to turn. And the fish can really, really hone in on a lot better. And so a lot of times when I'm working my spoon, I'm working it really aggressively. I'm just pounding it really hard, pounding it in one place when the fish come in. And I might stop it momentarily and pause it, bob it a little bit, lift it a little bit, and then and then do that really hard quiver. But I don't let, you know, I don't stop the lure and then smack it, slap it, or snap it back up, and then let it stop, and then snap it back up and let it stop. So what I find is it just goes all over the place. You can call fish in that way, but to trigger them when they get right on top of you, can be a lot harder if that makes any sense perfect sense actually um you know you use the term cadence and that is something uh, it's a term that really kind of came to fruition here in the last uh, three four years at least for the average angler i'm sure you guys that are out on the pro circuits and stuff have been talking about it for a long time but that's something that uh, if anglers aren't paying attention to that uh that could be real helpful uh, out there on the ice absolutely you know and uh i can tell you you know well uh, I mean, I, I probably work my spoon a lot more aggressively than most people. And uh, it's something that I had to teach people when I was guiding, is to really pound that spoon harder, especially to call fish in. But then also, too, when you pound it hard and don't let it stop or settle, like we just talked about, it's a really easy-to-find, predictable profile as well. And does it always work? No. I mean, there's times where I might have to go to a dead stick. There's times where when the fish come in, I have to really tone it down and basically just let it sit and then just try to swing that bottom treble hook and just let it, you know, almost kind of bob in place. Um, there's times where, you know, you know, you have to do, uh, you really have to back off when a fish comes in. Um, every day is different, you know, but uh, typically most days, you know, when you have stable weather and, you know, somewhat aggressive fish, you know, they seem to respond to aggressiveness in the sense that when you pound that lure hard and they shoot up, they accelerate, they lift up off the bottom, they come right up to you. And a lot of times if you stop or really scale back, they'll just sink. And then you got to try to, you know, get aggressive to bring them back, you know. And uh, that's a, you know, uh, pretty normal thing to see where the fish, you know, kind of match your aggressiveness. If you're not aggressive and you're very passive and subtle, you're going to get, uh, you're going to evoke a very passive and subtle response, if that makes any sense. A lot of times the fish match you as well. So that's something to consider when you're when you're working lures is that you know start out aggressive and that doesn't work you just keep scaling back until you find something that the fish respond to. One thing that I learned in reading this article, Jason. Once again, we're talking with Jason Mitchell with Jason Mitchell Outdoors. Uh, is remember that walleyes don't back up that well and they need room to turn around. This is why staying in front of the fish is so crucial. Um, that's yeah. something maybe not a lot of anglers knew about. Yeah, and. You know, that's the thing is when you fall behind the fish or shoot towards the fish where the fish can't see it, they just do not like that. And, and if the fish misses you, and then you got to get the fish to turn around or try to make another attempt, you know, uh, that's something that's difficult, you know, or, or makes catching that fish a lot harder. And the other thing to remember is that it's almost like, you know, I'm just, you know, basing this up just what I've seen, you know, sight fishing or underwater camera. It's almost like walleyes, you know, if you imagine the fish has blinders on like a horse, where, if a lure gets 
too close in front of their face, right in front of their nose. They can't see it. And if a fish is behind, or if the bait or lure is behind the fish's eyes, they can't see it. Okay. So when that fish comes right up on you, for example, you don't want to move it sharp or fast because all of a sudden they can't see it, you know, where they're just using their nose or their lateral line, you know. When it's right there, you just want to leave it there so that they can get it. And so uh, and a lot of this really comes down to really, really understanding your electronics, you know, uh, knowing when a fish is at the edge of your cone angle, knowing when the fish is right on top of you, uh, you know, especially if you're using a Vexar where you have that analog signal, it's so good at picking up movement versus a digitized signal where you can see when that fish changes its body position. That's a big thing. When a fish gets ready to pounce, you know, their gills flare, their fins come up. You know, they, you can just tell that that fish is ready to play. And you can see pick up that movement in the signal, you know. So you can just read that body language of the fish and that attitude of the fish so much better with that analog signal because you'll just get that flutter, that movement in the signal itself. It tells you a lot. I mean, that's very revealing. And everything that you've talked about, Jason, uh, does it, if somebody likes fishing with plastics versus live bait or vice versa, it all plays in, right? Absolutely. I mean, you know, obviously the plastics have been huge with panfish. I mean, it just exploded. And we're starting to see that spill over to the walleye stuff. I mean, I've been using plastics with some success for years, but we're starting to see people tip their spoons or tip their jigging wraps with plastics just because they're so much more durable. You know, again, is it the end all? Can you get rid of live bait completely? Not if you have to try to catch fish every day. There's still a place of time where you just have to use live bait. But uh, I think a lot of anglers would be surprised, you know, how good soft plastics can work for walleyes. They absolutely do. In wrapping up here, Jason, uh, what do you got planned here throughout the winter? Obviously, you do a lot of guiding out in Devil's Lake. Uh, you do a lot of filming out there as well. You got any big plick or big uh, trips planned, or anything special? Yeah, we got a we got a lot of stuff planned. Uh, and actually, too, you know, I don't do any guiding anymore. I'm I'm so busy with the television stuff and traveling that. Um, I just couldn't do it both. In fact, you know, I mean, to be honest with you, if you're gone for three or four days somewhere else, and you know, say in Wisconsin or Manitoba or wherever, then you come home and you've been doing something completely different. You know, I wasn't, I wouldn't be as good of a guide as I used to be when I was on the water every day. You know, and that's all I did. I mean, that's how you get good at it. Uh, whereas I'm just doing so much traveling now, where I'm, you know, just not the. I wouldn't be the guide I used to be. So. I haven't guided much probably in about seven, eight years now, but that's kind of how I cut my teeth or got started. But, um, yeah, we're going to be on Winnipeg this year again. I mean, that's that's incredible. We're going to go out to Cascade for the perch this year. We're excited about that. And then, obviously, you know, a lot of the stuff around Minnesota and the Dakotas and Wisconsin. Um, we're always looking for things that we haven't done before, you know, and um, – if Lake Erie freezes up too, that's something else that's on my bucket list as far as places to go. So, so sounds like you're staying busy. <laughs> oh yeah, so many fish and not enough time. <laughs> right. Well, I think yeah, we struggle with that sometimes. Uh, if people want more, more information, Jason, on you, how can they get it? You know, they just go online. You know, uh, JasonMitchellOutdoors dot com is our website. Uh, we have a Facebook page. Just look for Jason Mitchell Outdoors. Uh, we're also on uh, Instagram. Uh, Jason Mitchell Outdoors or YouTube, you know, you just search uh, any of those platforms for us, we'll pop right up and watch all of our shows, follow what we're doing, and so it's a great way to reach people.
There you go. Jason Mitchell with Jason Mitchell Outdoors. I appreciate you taking the time, buddy, and uh, safe travels out there. I know, like you said, you got a lot of traveling ahead of you, and uh, good luck out on the ice. All right. Thank you, bud. More of Brainerd Outdoors after this on B93.3. Welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. And Tony Roach joins us with Roach's Guide Service. Tony, a very accomplished local angler, uh, fishing guide, professional fishing guide, as well as a tournament winner as well. And, uh, Tony, we're going to talk uh, some walleye fishing with you this week and a little thing you like to call ice trolling. What is that? Yeah, Brian, you know, for me, I mean, the ultimate in ice fishing, especially during daytime hours, is, like you said, ice trolling. What we do on Malax, Winnebagosh, a lot of different lakes with a lot of structure is, you know, kind of mark out the structure, uh, either with a four-wheeler, a, a vehicle, you know, just marking out those contours and then come back and then drilling at various depths. Now, where, you know, ice trolling really shines is when you find fish at a particular depth and you start drilling more holes uh, in those areas. Now, this time of year where the fish really aren't traveling a lot, you know, you're not seeing aggressive fish. Uh, come from afar, even on clear lakes like Mille Lacs, um, you know, you're not seeing fish that are that are moving uh, at any distance during the day. So what we do is we really start to tighten up our hole pattern. So once we find fish in an area, we tighten up our hole pattern. Sometimes that means downsizing with your presentation and working that pot of fish. As soon as you've picked up those aggressive fish, you just simply drill holes or ice troll down the line until you hit a the next pod of active fish. Now, this is a great daytime uh, way to ice, ice fish all year long, but this time of year in particular, you know, you're picking up a few of the aggressive fish, but you're going to see lots more that aren't biting. Those are great areas to return to towards evening. So if I get into an area where I'm seeing lots of fish, we picked up a couple, uh, they're just not active or aggressive during the day. I mark those spots on my GPS and then I those are definitely spots you're going to want to return to because you're looking for good numbers of fish to set up during peak feeding, peak feeding periods, you know, mornings, evenings, and, of course, at night. What do you think the biggest mistake anglers make, Tony, when they're drilling their hole patterns? Do you think, like you said, you want to tighten them up a little bit. Do you think sometimes it can be just a little bit too loosey-goosey with it? Loosey-goosey or, you know, I think that the biggest, you know, thing, thing that I see anglers make is, They'll drill a bunch of holes and then fish those holes and not move. Um, you know, if I drill 200 holes on a spot and I'm not marking fish, I don't really care about those holes. I want to find areas that are holding fish. So I don't have ownership to those holes. I really don't care if there's no fish there or if they're not biting, I'm just not seeing them. We'll just move on to the next area. It might be a uh, just down the break line. It might be a mile away. It might be five miles away but just not uh, limiting yourself to those areas uh, just because you drilled holes there. The daytime hours, I tend to fish high in the water column, bright natural color, you know, I should say natural colors or, you know, kind of matching the hatch depending on where you're at. You know, obviously Malax is super clear. Winnebogosh is super clear. A lot of these natural, you know, lakes are clear in Minnesota, but if you get in, you know, to a stained water situation, you're going to want to go with bright, rattling type of baits, loud baits. Uh, a lot of people would call them search baits. 
something that's going to draw fish to your location. And what I do when I'm looking for fish is I don't spend that much time in a hole. I might spend 30 seconds to a minute in a hole. I'm just trying to see if I can mark a fish or get a reaction out of the fish. Once we've located an area where we're seeing lots of fish, then we start tweaking our presentations where we may be downsizing or, uh, you know, um, changing up colors, uh, you know, sometimes it means upsizing, you know, if the fish are aggressive, they're coming in fast, but they won't quite hit it. Or if you're missing a few fish because you're using smaller treble hooks on your spoon, you know, that's time to upsize. So, you know, we can upsize and downsize just as easy in the, you know, in the same breath as as when we're out there fishing, you know, um, there's lots of times where I, I think anglers are using too small of baits and, and vice versa. There's other times where, you know, the fish just aren't quite aggressive. They don't want to come off the bottom that much. Well, as long as we're seeing them there, then we'll come back and kind of fine-tune our presentations. The whole ice trolling concept, Tony, is it something that you kind of uh, developed yourself through trial and error, or did you see the concept kind of from someone else and you just modified it to, uh, to fit your liking, or, or is it something that you basically just kind of came up with through the years? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I don't want to say I'm the first one to ever drill a lot of holes, um, I, I kind of learned it from uh, my dad and, and a bunch of guys actually up on Winnebagosh because we used to look for perch. And back then, obviously, you didn't have um, the GPS technologies that we do today. So we'd get out to an area that was, you know, uh, a big flat, especially on Winnie. There's monster flats. And we'd just kind of line up and all drill a bunch of holes. And uh, lo and behold, you know, you you'd go along, you weren't catching them, weren't catching them, all of a sudden you just run into the mega schools of perch. And so then I started drilling holes along contour lines. Um, you know, when I got into lakes like Mille Lacs or Leech or even Lake of the Woods, Red Lake, you know, some of those areas where I wasn't quite sure where the fish were at, I started drilling holes. So then I started fine-tuning that to recognizing seeing fish at a certain depth or, um, you know, along a certain contour line, or maybe it's just the substrate on the bottom where we're starting to find fish in rocks or weeds. And so, you know, your hole patterns can change that way as well. So I just, I really started just fine-tuning it, drilling more holes. And, you know, I, I've always been the type of person that's been curious about what's down down there and, and what's around the corner and what's around the bend. So then we started taking whole sets of structures and really drilling them out and figuring out why the walleyes are relating to certain areas by using underwater cameras, and, you know, it just went from there. So I don't want to clearly claim that I'm the only one that uh, ice trolls are the first one to develop hole hopping because I just kind of modified it to our needs. And then as a guide, you know, we, we set people up on high percentage areas, spots where we're seeing lots of fish, good numbers of fish, catching fish, and then we as guides just ice troll down the break until we bump into active schools of fish, and then we'll move our customers down to those areas. Some of these concepts, I mean, obviously you do like to punch a lot of holes when you're when you're going after uh, panfish, but some of these concepts that you're talking about with ice trolling, do they translate to panfishing as well? Oh, for sure. It's just a matter of whether you're structure fishing or you're basin fishing. Depth can play a big role, obviously, uh, shallow water, flat you know, uh, especially as we get into later in the season and the fish start coming up underneath the ice or getting really shallow, there's times where you'll have to drill out an area, let it rest, and then come back and kind of, uh, whether you're sight fishing or fishing, you know, just below the ice or, you know, in, in 10 feet of water or shallower, um, you know, sound can be a big thing where you spook those fish out of that area and then you come back. I love um, 
pan fishing in general, you know, all season long. But when you get into March and the fish start to get real aggressive and you're getting big numbers of fish moving a lot shallower, yeah, the ice trolling changes a bit. We're not as focused on structure trolling like we were for walleyes. We're more or less drilling holes looking for fish. An underwater camera is a really useful tool. A handheld camera works great. You can fit it in your pocket. You can identify structure, weed lines, um, you name it. I, You know, there's lots of times where I've, I'm drilling holes and I'm, I'm not sure what's down there. I use my underwater camera to identify things, especially in clear water, because there's so many times where, you, you know, you drill a set of holes and all of a sudden you find fish. You drop the camera down. It's just such a useful tool um, and an aid to find fish. I, I really can't stress it enough for anglers to always have, you know, some sort of handheld underwater camera with them at all times. Great stuff from Tony Roach with Roach's Guide Service. Tony, if people want to follow along with what you're up to um, and maybe, you know, want to get in touch with you or something like that, what's the easiest way to do that? Uh, just roachesguideservice.com or they can check me out on Facebook. You know, I put a lot of blogs and information out there. I've I listen to Brainerd Outdoors all the time. It's nice to compare notes with other guys. So um, I really appreciate you having me on, Brian. Well, it's great having you on, and hopefully we can have you on here in the future, Tony. I know you're real busy. We appreciate you taking the time to spend a few minutes with us, and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you here down the line. All right. Thanks, Brian. Good luck fishing. More of Brainerd Outdoors after this on B93.3. Welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. While back, we talked with Ray Gildow with the Nisswa Guides League. Ray is a good friend of the show, and he always gathers a lot of information, and uh, he broke down Gull Lake for us. And uh, it looks like that's something, Ray, that people, you know, obviously interested in because it's one of our big destination lakes. Obviously, the people who live here know a lot about the lake, but a lot of our tourists uh, and people who are just weekly uh, visitors don't know a lot of the details about the lakes. But so today I want to just uh, highlight a few things that have been going on in Gall Lake. I spent a little time talking with some of the DNR guys uh, this week. And it's really interesting. Uh, in the last samples that they did on Gall, uh, the largemouth bass were uh, the highest rate they've recorded in the last 10 years. The average length is about 10.7 inches, but 36% of the bass that they caught were 12 inches or larger. And that's kind of consistent with what we've talked about over the last few years about how we're seeing more bass activity in our area. Um, Lax, of course, is a smallmouth uh, mecca right now. But even Gull Lake and North Long Lake and these lakes, I think we're seeing increases in the bass numbers. Uh, another thing that was highlighted is the black crappie and the bluegill numbers are also quite high, but the size wasn't that impressive. The average black crappie length in Gaul was about 8.4 inches, with 62% of the fish measuring 8 inches or larger, and the average bluegill length was about 5.4 inches, with only about 9% of the fish measuring 7 inches or larger, which is another reason why it's so important to throw those 8, 9, 10-inch panfish back because there just aren't that many of those really big fish like that left. Uh, stocking, we know that in 2016, uh, after quite a bit of controversy, the DNR started stocking muskies on Gall Lake, and they put in fingerlings. <clears throat> and uh, this isn't a scientific uh, uh, piece by any information, but by my calculations, those uh, 2016-inch fish um, probably are going to be close to that 20 to 25-inch range this year so they're growing quite fast 
Uh, and a lot of that has to, depends on the size of the lake and the forage, of course. But we think that uh, Gall Lake has a great forage base of ciscos, which is the primary muskie feed. So the plan is that every even year, 2016, 2018, 2020, uh, the DNR guys told me they're going to stock every Every other year, every even or every even year, I should say, they will stock 2,000 muskies, and all of those muskies don't make it. But they're stocking them, and they're uh, watching them, and to see how they do, and they hope to build a pretty nice fishery there. Also, this past year, last fall, they started stocking uh, for uh, fingerling walleyes, and it's been quite a while since they've done that. And on Gall Lake, they put 28,043 fingerlings in Gall Lake. And that amounted to about uh, 2,755 pounds of walleyes. And then they went across the highway and uh, transplanted about 13,890 walleyes in Round Lake. And that was about 607 pounds uh, of walleyes. And according to the DNR guys, what they do now is they do every spring, they still put fry in these lakes. They do that in Pelican and North Long and, and Gull and round and then they measure them in the fall to see how they've done and if they're not doing well then the plan will be in the following year to put additional fingerlings into these lakes so they're trying to beef these lakes up uh, to make them the best fisheries that they possibly can and uh, so that's that's pretty interesting that's what's happening on gall lake and uh, we'll talk down the road here a little bit about pelican and north long and the whitefish chain too because these are all areas very much part of the Brainerd Lakes fishing mecca. Well, I appreciate the info on that, Ray, because I know you, you actually go in-depth and, and find out all this stuff for us, and uh, it's awesome for you to do that. Uh, I just had really one question, and maybe you've heard the same t- thing. I was talking with Mark Bajikalupi here not too long ago, who was the <laughs> fisheries manager here in uh, Crow Wing in mm-hmm. southern Cass County, and he said be on the lookout that we may have some more restrictive regulations on panfish and you mentioned you know the smaller crappies and and bluegills on gull lake uh what are you hearing and talking to people out too do you think that's something that's going to happen here down the line you know i think it probably will uh you know we did they did that on sylvan lake and uh they put the restrictions down to five i think they've done that on gilbert lake i think that it's five there too i think there were so many big fish being harvested that it just started making the sizes smaller so I think they're watching that carefully, and I think that they're going to probably go in that direction. So that'll be something we'll look for. That's Ray Gildow at the Nisswa Guides League. Appreciate it, as always, Ray. Good stuff, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, Brian. Thanks a lot. And that'll wrap up this week's show. Don't forget, you can catch Brainerd Outdoors just after 7, Saturday mornings, Sunday evenings at 7, and Monday mornings at 5, right here on B93.3. You can also stream the show live. Uh, at BrainerdOutdoorsRadio.com. Just click on the Listen Live tab, and you can also listen on demand there. And, of course, we are all over all the podcast platforms. So wherever you download your favorite podcast, just search Brainerd Outdoors. Uh, We encourage you to subscribe. Give us a nice rate and review. It would be nice as well. We'll see you next weekend for another edition of Brainerd Outdoors. I'm Brian Moon. 
Brainerd Outdoors has been brought to you by The Power Lodge, SCR Northern, Thieland Meats, Tracker Boating Center, Vimer Outdoors Archery Pro Shop, S&W Bait and Tackle, Oars and Mine Marine in Crosby, Northern Sales and Manufacturing, Your Ice Castle Dealer in Pine River, Crow Wing Recycling, Bermel Shoe Store in Randall, and by Radco, Your Truck Accessory Pros. Join Brian Moon Saturday mornings at 7, Sunday evenings at 7, and Monday mornings at 5, right here on B93.3.